hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler Podcast, part of the Informed Traveler Radio Show, heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So according to a recent survey from the Travel Health Insurance Association of Canada, the U.S. is the most popular first travel destination for Canadians. So we'll talk about that in a few moments and shed some light on a few of the other findings from that survey. And until the U.S. border does open up, it looks like it might be another summer of local road trips. So with that in mind, we'll get some road trip ideas for exploring Alberta this summer from mustdocanada.com. Plus, we'll head to Clackwatt Sound on Vancouver Island, where the Clackwatt Wilderness Lodge is getting set to reopen on June 17th. So we'll get some info on what it's like to spend a few days there. But we're going to start our podcast this week talking about some of the findings from a recent survey done by the Travel Health Insurance Association of Canada, showing that the U.S. is the most popular first travel destination for Canadians. So joining us now to talk about that and some of the other findings is Will McAleer. He is the Executive Director for the Travel Health Insurance Association of Canada. Their website is thiaonline.com. Hi, Will. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Who did you survey for this? So we surveyed uh, over 1,500 uh, Canadians and really asked them a lot of questions around the travel file and what their thoughts were around uh, border closures and, um, and, and traveling. And what did you find? Anything that surprised you? Well, one of the things that sort of surprised us was where Canadians want to travel because uh, I'm going to say about a year ago, we started to see some interesting trends where people were saying, hey, we don't necessarily want to travel to the U.S. anymore. So mm-hmm. probably lots of things going on. So we found, yeah, there's about 37% of uh, the respondents saying, look, U.S. is our number one destination. That is interesting because, yes, I have seen surveys uh, previously saying, I don't know if I want to go to the U.S., but, you know, they are so close. I guess that's probably one of the reasons, right? Oh, sure. Proximity, you know, with the number of Canadians living within a short drive of the border, uh, the lure of whether it's cross-border shopping or some of the uh, the sun destinations you can get to, you know, by more than having to fly there is hugely attractive. But what we saw in the survey as well was that uh, the confidence, you know, with the medical system and the vaccination rates down in the U.S., that mm-hmm. that was uh, particularly attractive for Canadians now. Well, I would think so. Yeah, it's kind of a, a race. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call it a race, but yeah, the Americans were getting way ahead of us for a while there. And so that uh, adds to the confidence. Anything else that was uh, interesting that you found? Well, we're really seeing a discomfort with uh, with what Canadians are seeing as a closed border. And 40, 40% now uh, of Canadians believing the government should remove the uh, the advisories to the U.S., uh, which is a key indicator as to whether they can get coverage. It's also a key indicator about what's on everyone's mind, and that's uh, whether or not that land border uh, can open up to mm-hmm. uh, to Canadians again. And that's kind of a switch, too, from previous surveys, if uh, memory uh, serves me correctly. Now, you are in the health insurance uh, or health travel health insurance uh, business. Uh, what advice do you have for people post-COVID when they're traveling when it comes to uh, travel insurance? Well, one of the things is is that, you know, outside of the U.S., if you're thinking about traveling, make sure you understand what the conditions are on the ground. 
because the pandemic has been a health event for certain. And we know the vaccination rates will lag uh, in some countries uh, as opposed to, you know, what we're seeing here in Canada, the U.S. and the U.K. Mm-hmm. Many are well behind that. So it could be a little less safe. But the other side to that is it is also an economic issue, the pandemic, I mean, and and specifically some countries' economies have been significantly impacted. So as a result, uh, some of the places that might have been safe to go could be a little more risky now. So mm. you want to be careful when you're when you're thinking about traveling, uh, traveling and making that sort of plan to, to go beyond maybe the U.S. I would think because of this pandemic uh, that people are a little more aware now of health insurance coverage when they're traveling. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah, you are spot on there because uh, we saw that practically uh, 75% of, of individuals are saying they're going to review their coverage before they go away. This is a big part of it. And and look, if uh, if people are more attuned to the type of coverage, then maybe there are some some small, very small silver linings in in the in the entire pandemic. Simply because you want to make sure you know what you're covered for before you go away, so you don't get a surprise when an emergency happens. Uh, that would be know your policy, one of the four golden rules of travel health insurance <laughs> that's on your website. Uh, know your policy is one. What are the other three? Just so people uh, know this. Yeah, absolutely. You need to know what your health is as well. So you need to know whether any conditions you've got are covered or aren't covered. So that's a big part of it. And then, of course, knowing your policy. But then you also want to know your trip. So you want to understand what types of activities are you going to perform? Are they going to be a little bit more risky or are they going to be just sitting by a pool in a warm destination? Because some things like bungee jumping, hang gliding, things like that, can be excluded from some policies and others will cover them. So you want to make sure you're asking those questions and certainly having a peek. And then finally, know what your rights are too, mm-hmm. because there are travel insurance rights that you've got. And that, that's making sure that any answers to your medical question are recorded accurately and that, uh, that everything is, is in that, uh, that application that you're making. Um, making sure that uh, also when it comes time, if you need to claim on that policy, you're providing all the information so you can have a quick and speedy uh, claims experience. So there are rights that you've got as well to make sure uh, that uh, that policy is there for you when you need it. Lots of information on the Travel Health Insurance Association of Canada website. It's thiaonline.com. And Will McAleer is the executive director of the Travel Health Insurance Insurance Association of Canada. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, Will. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, the Clackwatt Wilderness Lodge on Vancouver Island is getting set to reopen on June 17th for the summer. So, to give us an idea what it's like to stay at the Clackwatt Wilderness Lodge is Sarah Cruz. She's the general manager of the Clackwatt Wilderness Lodge. The website is clackwattwildernesslodge.com. And Sarah joins us now via satellite phone. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Randy. How are you, my friend? I'm well, thank you. Uh, I have a date here of June 17th that you are reopening. Uh, First of all, that's true, and it must be pretty exciting if it is. 
It's an unbelievable moment in time for us here at Clockwell. We are over the moon, excited to have the opportunity to reopen the lodge here. Yes, June 17th, mark that on your calendar as a very special day. We um, had a closed resort at the end of 2019, ran into 2020, your COVID took a season of a hibernation time off and uh, now well-rested and definitely feeling ready to come back into the world. Um, Clackwood opens on June 17th. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me about the area of Clackwood Sound then and where you're located. We are an off-the-grid, special little wilderness property that's completely remote. So only access is float plane and or boat, so that definitely keeps us fairly quiet here with people coming and going, unless you know how to fly a plane or drive a boat. Uh, 45 minutes from Tofino. I think a lot of people are familiar with Tofino, located Mm -hmm. on Vancouver Island. Beautiful boat ride um, through the uh, sound to come up to Clockwatt. And or our float planes, we have them coming from various directions, but our favorite route is definitely just... um, Beside the Vancouver International Airport is South Terminal, and it's also a beautiful 45-minute uh, scenic flight that lands dockside in the Bedwell, which is the uh, mouth of um, of the resort. So it's um, awe-inspiring as you fly over the mountains and then drop into the ocean. You can actually see that we are definitely off-grid, nowhere near any civilization, and then this gorgeous pocket of uh, luxury pops up literally with our tents uh, to welcome all of our guests. So pretty special pocket of surprise is what I say. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. If people want a, vis- a visual, uh, they can go to your website, clackwattwildernesslodge.com, and oh my goodness, uh, the visuals are amazing. So if it's, if it's even a fraction of what your uh, videos show, it'd be an amazing place to stay, I'm thinking. And that's what's so gorgeous about being able to showcase through a lens of a camera or or or, or a video um, is really the timelessness, the beauty of of this area, um, and that's just never changing. It it changes with time because we live in the house of Mother Nature, so it's a natural aging process. But it's um, those photos. Um, our guests and our staff say over and over that actually they don't do justice to when they actually get here. So it's stunning uh, scenery that um, you don't get tired of. And the international guests that we have um, absolutely are astounded with this beauty in Canada. And then our Canadians themselves, uh, when they come in to visit, are reminded that we have such a pocket of paradise um, that is tucked away here, untouched, and just having that soft, gentle footprint of the humans. Um, not a lot coming in over the summer, um, but there's a comfortable relationship between being here and um, I always say we're in the house of Mother Nature and just enjoying that quiet time that we have here in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Well, give me some background on the lodge itself, how long you've been open, and, and your philosophy behind serving your guests. Um, well, my favorite subject indeed. So Clackwood is 20 years old and um, just has, go- has grown so much over the years. It really uh, was one of a kind when I first opened with this concept um, of being able to do the outback, camp out, uh, and, you know, the pioneer days. And over the time, it's grown up to what it is today. Uh, we've gone through a transition in ownership in 2019 with um, KSL Capital Ventures, from Denver, Colorado, and we're really delighted because uh, we are associated now with Bailey Lodges, which is a gorgeous um, uh, collection out of Australia, also parent 
company is KSL. So it's just been a really beautiful breath of fresh air for Clockwatch to join such a fine collection of world-renowned um, resorts that are also similar in, um, in style uh, out of Australia. And so now we get to be able to work at this level with Bailey Lodges over here, international with Canada uh, and Clockwatch. So the ethos of Bailey Lodges is very much similar to what Clockwatch has been built upon, and it really is extraordinary guest services um, looking after our guests. And please remember that also, and I say this to everybody, our guests and our staff alike, um, when we live in this environment and it's um, so private and so pristine, we take care of all the humans that have chosen uh, to join us uh, for a moment of time here in the wilderness. So I think what our delight, I think, is the un- unexpected when our guests arrive and uh, they all of a sudden see these gorgeous canvas tents are lined up along the estuary, just the mouth of the ocean there. Um, and we had them tucked away into the wilderness of the treetops, so the rainforest tents is nothing like that. Um, going to sleep with the pattern of the rain on your canvas roof, I just love it. <laughs> and um, the, there's no rush in it here. The, uh, the exquisiteness of what we are able to perform, I think, is what I enjoy the most because it's so unexpected. All of a sudden, um, the happy faces of all of our employees welcoming our guests uh, to come play in the rainforest, and that's what we do all day long. So the tents themselves are fully equipped, absolutely finest luxury. You're not going to miss um, anything with our attached uh, our bathrooms are right there with the, within the tent. We have two varieties. We also have um, our deluxe, which is uh, just outside of your tent, private to your tent. is a three-piece bathroom and or a three-piece bathroom attached to your tent with an outdoor shower. Oh, my God, Randy, the only <laughs> way to start your day here is with an outdoor shower. Um, it's just so special. So that gives you a sense of being really connected to the outside. We're all inclusive. So uh, that's really perfect for all of our guests as well because they're able to join uh, for their meals at the cookhouse, which is really the heartbeat and hub of the property. Uh, the cookhouse is where all of our meals are cooked for our guests, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, of course, healthy snacks as well as a beautiful bar. Um, people enjoy their beverages as they're able to just sit outdoors or on one of our decks just overlooking the ocean. So that's kind of key to their whole experience as well. Um, We have a gorgeous spa and uh, that allows them to have their spa treatments throughout uh, their stay with us and hot tubs and sauna. So again, all Oceanside. And then um, we move into the wilderness. So let's talk about what we're surrounded with. And that's what our guests sign up for is a lot of our activities, our experiences. Um, again, all included, which makes us so special. We mm-hmm. have such an array of experiences for our guests to be able to participate in um, while they're visiting with us. So we present them with personalized itineraries and suggested um, ideas of, you know, would they like to spend a day hiking? Would they like to be kayaking or canoeing? Would they like to be on a paddleboard? Why not jump on the back of a horse and go for an epic horseback ride in the rainforest? Um, one of our fishing boats, spend a day on the water and see if we can do a little prawning or crabbing or a little fishing while we're out around the bed well. Wildlife viewing, um, that never gets tiring. Um, <laughs> our bears and our eagles and sea otters and sea lions. So imagine, if you will, you're able to spend uh, some time out on the Zodiac just visiting with the uh, natural wildlife that we have around here. Or if you want to jump on a bike, go for a rip. 
Uh, we have a bow and arrows if you want to do some archery, rock climbing. So we keep our guests connected to being active and outdoors. And then, of course, everybody gathers back to the cookhouse, which is, I, I can't emphasize enough, the culinary team is the dream team. So I think what I love the most is our guests arrive. You can see they're a little, they're a little discombobulated of, <laughs> my goodness, where are we? Of uh, What are we doing? And then when they leave, Randy, I've seen them fill up with so much great energy, pure soul green energy. I call it, you know, Mother Nature's juice. And they're tears. They're, they have this genuine tears of joy uh, and sadness of leaving. And for me, so inspiring um, that our guests um, have connected that deeply in such a short period of time. We only have a few seconds, and I just have a couple of questions. One is, um, is everything open on June 17th because of the restrictions? And seasonal, I, I, can, I imagine you're not open all year round. And the third one, I don't think there's anyone staring at their phones or devices, is there? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Um, so, yes, we are seasonal. So this year will be opening June to the end of September. Next year, we our season generally runs from May, uh, middle of May to the end of September. Uh, for COVID restrictions, um, we are definitely following our regulations mandated by federal and provincial uh, rules and regulations, which are getting lighter and lighter as time goes on. But uh, presently, what we will not be offering will be our, our hot tubs and sauna. Everything mm. else is going to be just fine. Yes, we do have Wi-Fi. We, we do need to provide those services within your tent only. Uh, everything, everywhere else in the property, um, there is no Wi-Fi, so that encourages uh, everybody to talk to everybody. People arrive here as strangers, and they leave as best friends. Sarah Cruz is the uh, general manager of the Clackwat Wilderness Lodge. Lots of information and a great video or vid- videos on their website, clackwatwildernesslodge.com. It was uh, so much fun chatting with you, Sarah. Here's to a good summer. Thank you so much, Randy. Appreciate your time. Well, it looks like it just might be another summer of local road trips, at least until international travel opens up a bit more. So with that in mind, we're going to give you a few road trip ideas from an article written for mustdocanada.com. It's called 15 Beautiful Alberta Road Trips, and the author is Matthew Bailey. He's the founder and editor-in-chief of Must Do Canada. Again, the website is mustdocanada.com, and Matthew joins us now. Hi, Matthew. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Fifteen amazing road trips in Alberta. I think when people think of road trips in Alberta, the one that comes to mind is the uh, Icefields Parkway. It's kind of ranked like one of the top in the world, actually, between uh, Banff and Jasper. And I drove it last October. It is spectacular. And that's the one that kind of gets all the attention. But I like to uh, kind of look at some of the lesser known ones on your list. Uh, there's 15 in all. I don't think we'll get into 15 in all. But... Um, Let's start with this one, David Thompson Highway. This one sounds uh, really cool. Yeah, actually, the David Thompson has been, especially in the last two or three years of the region, we've we've been exploring a lot. Uh, we actually only found out about it ourselves maybe two or three years ago, and now it seems like a place we keep going back to in both summer and the winter. And it's kind of in a cool spot because it's right in between uh, Ixfield Parkway and uh, Cowboy Trail. 
so it's Highway 11. It starts in like Rocky Mountain House. And there's another town called Nordegg mm-hmm. that's right in the middle. And then, of course, there's a famous lake, Abraham Lake, that has become quite popular in the winter for the ice bubbles. Uh, so, yeah, when you're talking about these road trips, you can obviously, uh, to get there, and then you can hit your starting point. doesn't matter which way you go, which direction you go, right? No, no. Yeah, you can start either at uh, in Rocky Mountain House or if you're on the Icefields Parkway. Maybe you can make it halfway up, and then you can start heading east. How long would it take to do this? And, you know, I suppose if you're driving nonstop, <laughs> it doesn't take as long as you would if you're taking stops. But the whole idea is to stop and look around, maybe go for a little hike or, or stop and have lunch somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's surprising how many things there are to do there. The actual highway is only two hours long from, like, Rocky Mountain House to the Icefields Parkway turnoff. So it's not that 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 uh, that long of a drive, but there's lots of things to do, uh, especially uh, hiking trails. There's uh, some really good helicopter tours mm-hmm. towards Abraham Lake that bring you over the Icefields Parkway. Um, there's lots of um, amazing waterfalls. Probably some of the best in Alberta are along that highway, and for us, it's always been a great place to see wildlife as well. We've seen uh, we've seen grizzlies, we've seen black bears all on the side of the road, and in Nordegg, they're really famous for pie. So if you like uh, different kinds of fruit pie, that seems to be the place everyone goes to for that. I'd go just for the pie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good excuse. And I suppose the closer you live to these areas, the more familiar you are with them. So depending on where people live, uh, they might be familiar with some of these trails or they might not be. But uh, one of the off-road ones that you have on your list uh, is Sundry to Yaha Tinda. I just like saying Yaha Tinda. I think that's cool uh-huh. as well. But talk about a bit about that one. Yeah, that was a cool road trip as well. That's kind of it's kind of actually a cross between uh, the David Thompson region and the Sundry kind of region there. So um, it's it's about an hour and a half long drive on a dirt road, pretty much from Sundry to Yahatinda, and that's basically the end of the road. Um, we have actually never explored the ranch yet because our first time going there was last summer, and because it's a, a Parks Canada site, it's been closed due to COVID. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as I remember, it's it's the oldest working uh, Parks Canada ranch in the whole country. Oh, really? So that's kind of where they train um, all, all the horses to be used for Parks Canada and, huh. and that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty amazing place, and we're hoping we get to see it this year. But even aside from that, along the way there, there's some really good whitewater rafting. There's uh, horseback riding. Um, there's also helicopter tours there. And then there's some great places to rent a cabin or do some camping and stuff like that and it's um there's some nice rivers and nice trails and it's just kind of off and and one of the things that we actually learned last year too on that highway is that's a good place to see wild horses turns out there's something like 1300 of them wow in the region and on that road you have a really good chance of seeing them and we've only been there once and we saw uh i don't know what you call a, a group of horses but all all running along the highway it's pretty cool I know you did mention this is a dirt road, so you have to be prepared for those uh, types of conditions, right? Depending on the vehicle you have and the weather and, and the time of year, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not like a, a very rough road, but uh, like when we were there in the summer, it was really dry. So, of course, if you have a vehicle right in front of you, it can be, be hard to see with all the dust that comes up. And mm-hmm. I would imagine if it's raining heavily, it might be uh, quite slick. Mm-hmm. But just something to keep in mind. Uh, Smith-Dorian Trail, where is that? So that's the highway that's just above. It's funny, I've been on that highway many times. It's also a dirt road. 
Uh, I just I didn't know the name of it till recently, but <laughs> it's, it goes up from uh, Canmore mm-hmm. into the uh, the Kananaskis that way. So it kind of basically, if you went from Canmore, you took it, it would eventually join the Kananaskis Trail on the other side. Now, when you mention Kananaskis, obviously there's that uh, new uh, fee that people have to pay for Kananaskis. Does this uh, sort of give an opportunity for people to maybe, if they don't want to pay that fee, to, to explore outside of the of K country this summer? Uh, well, I mean, I think the Smith Dorian Pass, I guess that, I mean, the, the highway would still be in the Kananaskis region. So if you're stopping anywhere in there, like uh, Spray Lakes is often the, the place we camp mm-hmm. in the summertime. So that's still part of the Kananaskis. So I believe you would still need the pass for that region. Yeah. But as far as I know, if you're just driving through and not, you know, not actually stopping to do anything, then mm-hmm. I don't think you need the pass. Uh, one area where you don't need a pass, and, uh, and we did this a couple of years ago, Dinosaur Trail and Hoodoo Drive. It is a cool yeah. drive. Yeah, and it's and it's unique, right? Because it's like the Badlands, and uh, it's one of the things that's kind of striking about Alberta when it comes to road trips is that you have, you know, the Rocky Mountain, you have the prairies, you have the Badlands. You kind of have a little bit of everything. Where does that one start, uh, as far as you have it uh, on a map? And by the way, when you go to the Must Do Canada website and click on the article, you do have maps uh, to follow the roads, so people kind of know where they're going. Yeah, and the Dinosaur Trail itself is quite short. I believe it's only about an hour. There's a ferry near Drumheller, the mm-hmm. Lariat ferry that crosses the river there. That's kind of where the trail starts, kind of from Drumheller out towards Dinosaur Provincial Park, and then you kind of really get to see the best of it all. Mm-hmm. Well, the hoodoos are really cool. It's almost like you're on a set of uh, um, Star Trek or Star Wars or something. It's almost like you're at a different planet. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty amazing that it's only, you know, two hours, what, two hours from the mountains? Mm-hmm. Let's finish up. If, if people wanted to go uh, pretty much explore the whole province, and I know there's a whole northern section here, uh, they could do the Cowboy Trail uh, and pretty much get a whole idea of what the province is like, couldn't they? Yeah, pretty much, because it, it starts near Edmonton and goes pretty much down to the border of Montana. Uh, it's mostly along the prairies and the mountains. So, if you, I mean, if you did that trail exactly, you wouldn't see the, the Badlands or anything like that, but it's a, it's a great way to see some of those small like western towns and see some of the ranches and the prairies that Alberta is known for, but also see the Rocky Mountains, which is something everyone should see at least once in their lifetime. Well, and the, that one too, you probably want to do over, spread it out over a few days. It is a longer drive, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the longest one on our thing. I think it's close to 700 kilometers. So if it would, I mean, you could do the whole drive in a day, but that's probably without seeing anything. <laughs> Is there any drives that you've done or want to do that are northern, in northern parts of Alberta, like north of Edmonton or in the Grand Prairie area? Yeah, that's, you know, the one of the only places we haven't been is Grand Prairie. We've, we've driven from Alberta, like from Edmonton up to the Northwest Territories, and there's some beautiful places uh, up there, like Peace River. Mm-hmm. We just haven't stopped a lot there to really... Um, so we're hoping to do that this year. But I've, I've heard the drive uh, up towards Grand Perry and Grand Cache is also quite nice. And they also have a new dinosaur museum up that way as well. Cool. Well, it's 15 amazing road trips in Alberta. You can find it on the Must Do Canada website, mustdocanada.com. And uh, Matthew Bailey is the founder and editor-in-chief of Must Do Canada. Thanks for your input, Matthew. Here's uh, to a good summer of road trips. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on the show. 
And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveller radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveller.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.